Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. How we can light up the fire revival no matter where you're at. If you're watching from South Africa, if you're watching from New Zealand, if you're watching from Australia, if you're watching from South South America, if you're watching from Fort Worth, Texas, or any other part of the United States or in Canada where I'm from, I'm going to show you this broadcast is going to give you practical ways to light up revival fires everywhere you're at, no matter where you're at. Because I want to, and I'm going to get into it, but I want to under I want to convey this to you today. And I want people to leave this broadcast carrying an urgency of the times. You see, the Bible says when Jesus was about to get crucified, he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying. And every time he'd come back and see his disciples, his disciples were sleeping. His disciples were taking a snooze. Their eyes were heavy, the Bible says. And Jesus kept saying, hey, pray always. Don't enter into temptation. Don't get slothful. Don't get lazy. Don't get apathetic. Don't become indifferent. Don't dull your spirit to the times that we're living in and because they were sleeping and sleepy and indifferent and didn't understand what was going on see their sleepiness their drowsiness was a result of them not really understanding what Jesus was about to do you see he kept on saying I'm about to be crucified I'm about to be handed over to the Pharisees I'm about to be uh, spat on and scourged I'm going to be questioned and they're going to call me a, a, a heretic they're going to do all kinds of wicked things to me but they didn't understand that they they kept saying, we don't understand what he's saying. We don't understand what he's saying. And then finally, he plainly said it. I'm going to get crucified. And they still didn't understand what was about to happen. That's why they were sleeping. And because they didn't understand the times that they were living in, drowsiness settled in, indifference. That's what you have in a lot of North American places and churches. Because we don't understand the times that we're living in, that we're not at 1158 any longer. It's 115959. We're at the last few milliseconds of time where Jesus is about to have his shoulder tapped on by the father and God's about to say son it's time to go get the archangel ready and the archangel the Bible says will descend with a shout and the trumpet of God and the son of God will descend with a shout and the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive on the earth shall be caught up to meet him in the air and so shall we be always but that time is not yet it will come and it's going to come very soon and we're going to talk about the signs that precede that and how we're seeing every single one of those signs accomplished on the earth today but until that happens we have a work to do and we can't be sleeping and we can't have our hands hanging limp and our 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 our, our legs paralyzed in our in our uh carelessness of the times the bible says the sons of issachar understood the times so before i move on please share this broadcast help me get this out to as many people as possible my objective today is to get many people sleeper cells in the church activated for the great commission to have people wake up to the times to carry an urgency and a burden and a sense of responsibility for our generation. Do you understand that God is not going to randomly just send revival? Revival does not just happen. Miracles don't just happen. Moves of God don't just happen. William Booth used to say, we're not waiting for a move of God. We are the move of God. And so if we, the body of Christ, Christ is the head. He's seated in heavenly places. But we are the body 
money. We are the act. We are the active uh, agents of God on the earth. And if we're not moving, God can't move. He even said in Amos, how could I do anything on the earth unless I reveal it to my servants, the prophets? Anything God wants to do on the earth, he's going to use men to accomplish it. That's why we're talking about global revival. Because for far too long, we've just said, Lord, send revival. Lord, send the move of God. Lord, send awakening. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. As if he's in, he's, he is the, the custodian of revival in the sense that he's the, the fire that we see, seek to have uh, sweep the earth. He's the he's the 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 one we want to touch the hearts of men. However, he can't touch people unless we are used as his mouth, unless we're used as his hands, unless we shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so that's my what I'm setting out to do today: to light up people, to awaken the sleeper cells in the church, just like Ephesians says, "Awake, O sleeper, and wake up, so that Christ might be seen on you." Some of you have been lulled to sleep maybe you go to a church that you never even hear a message like this maybe i don't know where you come from maybe you've never heard about the end times maybe you've never heard of revival maybe you've never heard of of, of awakenings in the time in the past and the awakening of the first awakening the second awakening that god sent in the united states and moves of god that literally shook the planet and so you're you've been lulled to sleep you don't think it's possible you've never even heard it done you just read about the things of the bible and 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 held them to be like some disconnected stories, fairy tales of the past, things that God did then, but he's not willing to accomplish now. I'm here to uh, 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 totally disrupt that thinking today. The, and I'm, I'm here to tell you that what God did back then, he's not only wanting, he's willing, and he's desiring to do here on the earth, and he wants to use you. Imagine that, you, yeah, you, you who's watching right now, you, you're saying money, can't surely be talking about me. I'm absolutely talking about you. God wants to use you. People are saying, oh, God sent a Billy Graham. God sent a Catherine Coleman. God raised up. God's wanting to raise you up. He looked to the harvest. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, he saw that there were multitudes that, had, uh, that, that were um, like sheep without shepherd, shepherds, dispirited, distressed, broken, battered down, bruised and oppressed by the afflictions of the devil. And the scripture says he felt compassion for the multitude. And he looked to his disciples and called them all. And he said, behold, I'm giving you the power to cast out unclean spirits and to heal every kind of sickness and every kind of disease that is amongst the people. And he commissioned the 12. Later on, he commissioned the 72 and uh, the 82 actually, because there was the 70 and then the, the original 12 and he said go into the cities that are ahead of you two by two i'm sending you out people ask me how many people do you think god needs to send revival to a town just two he sent them out two by two and he said said to them go and preach the kingdom of god and heal their sick and raise the dead and cast out demons freely you've received now freely give and then we move on to the book of acts and you have 120 now that the the scripture says later on in the book of acts the these men who have come here have turned the world upside down. There is a a, a world-changing anointing that's in you. There's an anointing to shake your region that's in you. There's an anointing to shake your family that's in you. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you. To do what? Not just to sit in your pew and just amen. Oh, I enjoyed brother so-and-so's sermon today. That's not what the anointing's for. If the preaching you're sitting under isn't mobilizing you and activating you and challenging you to win the lost at any cost and 
it ain't good preaching. If my preaching isn't bringing a challenge to do something, then it's not good preaching. Preaching is the art to of persuading persuading people that what God said he meant he meant and what he meant he said and he wants to work through you and so that's why we're taking this broadcast today's time to 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 commission I want to dispatch from this broadcast a generation there's 78 watching right now if you can share the broadcast we can pump those numbers out the more numbers the more people are going to get activated to shake up the region that they live in you know you're like a holy ghost wrecking ball in God's hand and he wants to use you to tear down the trusted strongholds of cities and to establish a great work of God. And he, he said in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come on you to do what? To be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's talking about your own hometown, your own home, amongst your own relatives. Then he says Judea. So that means when you're faithful in Jerusalem, he'll enable you. And empower you to reach even more. And then from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. And then to the uttermost ends of the earth. That's why I called it global revival. Because what God will do through you. It might start in your family. It might just start with revival in you today. But that revival. David said. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runs over. When real genuine authentic revival hits an individual. It doesn't stay with that individual. Just like if you light up one tree in a forest that's dry with dry wood it's not going to stay with that one tree it's going to spread to the other trees and God is going to light something up in you today that's going to spread through your family you'll be like the first domino to fall but once that domino falls it'll hit a a bunch of other dominoes in your family and sooner or later you'll look back and the whole world I mean the whole family the whole generation that belong that 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 is connected to you will have jumped into the river of God and tasted and seen of the Lord's goodness in their life life God's going to use you for that in Jesus name before I move on I want I want to first read from Malachi chapter 4 because as I said before unless you understand the times we're living in we are not going to have an urgency to bring revival to our community we're going to push it off we're going to say well no man knows the day or the hour it could be now it could be in a hundred years who knows it'll probably be in a thousand years from now I'm not and so when you talk like that and you don't live as if today can be the day and you don't live as if today can be the day where the archangel sounds the trumpet and you don't live as if literally Right now, in a, the Bible says, as lightning flashes from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. That you don't live on, literally on, on the, 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 the tips of your toes, just walking through life with an expectancy that Jesus can come back at any time, you're most likely going to fall victim to lukewarmness. You're most likely going to fall victim to to a lackadaisical attitude. You're most likely going to fall victim to spiritual slumber and and, and do absolutely nothing. And and you're going to wake up 70 years from now if if the Lord tarries and you're going to say, man, I really didn't accomplish much with life. I really didn't get done what I knew I should have done. I really haven't won a soul to the Lord." Since I had that first encounter with the Lord, I really haven't done. I don't want you to get, you know, live 50, 60 years and then look back and say, man, I really wasted my life. I want you to take up the mantle now. Take up the the baton of the great commission that prior generations have ran with now so that we don't have to wait. Or we don't have to get to when we're old in age and then feel spiritual shame because we really didn't accomplish anything and used our life just to store up for 15 years of retirement. Rather, I want you to be one who when you die or if the Lord tarries, 
Or if the Lord returns and you get raptured up into heaven, you'll be one of those that hear those precious words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now come in and enter into the joy of the Lord. Malachi chapter 4, listen to this, verse 1. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. And all the proud, yes, all the day he's talking about is the day of the return of Jesus Christ. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be like stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. They will leave, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, type one if that's you in the chat. To you who fear my name, if you can testify and say, I fear God, I love God with my spirit, my soul, and my body, everything that is within me like David, oh, I bless the Lord with all that is in me. I'm his and he is mine. I've been called by his name. I've been changed. I've been transformed. I've been touched by his presence. If that's you, type one in the chat. To you who fear my name. So this is talking about you. So in the midst of, of the, the days coming to a close, the Bible says that the proud will be, who, and all who do wickedly will be like stubble. The day which is coming will burn them up. So that's talking about what's going to hit the wicked, what's going to hit those who don't know God, what's going to hit those who reject the gospel of God. But then God always has a plan for his people. God always has a plan for his church. For too many years, we focused on the negative part of the end times, that perilous times will come. And we're going to get into that. But there's a positive side to the end times. God didn't just say there's going to be a bunch of weird and odd and unprecedented things and events that are going to hit the earth and as for my church just sit back and relax and watch the show no he moves on to say but unto you who fear my name the son of righteousness which is christ and his anointing will rise in you with healing in his wings the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings and you will go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. And you shall trample the wicked. under the, And they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. And remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all of Israel. With the statutes and judgments. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet. Before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts. Listen to this. Verse 6. Malachi 4, 6. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So the Bible says that before the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be unprecedented unprecedented events that hit the earth there's going to be odd signs the bible says i'll show wonders in the heavens and signs on the earth beneath well what are those signs that will precede the coming of the lord jesus christ one i want to get through this i've written down 10 signs that precede the coming of the lord jesus christ before i do that let me just read second peter three second peter three and verse nine actually we'll read the whole chapter Second Peter in chapter 3, if you're just tuning in now, please help me to get this word out by sharing this broadcast. If you just uh, started subscribing to us this week, we were on Isaiah's broadcast on Tuesday. If you just started subscribing, welcome. I uh, hope you enjoy the content, and I hope it does something for you. Second Peter chapter 3, beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior. Knowing this, verse 3, 2 Peter 3, 3, knowing this first, 
that scoffers, mockers, will come in the last days, walking according to their own pleasure and lusts. And they will say, where is the promise of Jesus' coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, talking about the church fathers, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But this they willfully forget. So notice that they, it's not ignorance. They willfully forget. They are suppressing the truth in their minds because of their wicked lives. You know what? I mean, when I was in the world and I wanted nothing to do with God, I remember having been invited by a dear friend of mine to church. And uh, he said, this evangelist is in town. And the evangelist that was preaching, I knew that he preached on end times all the time. And so I purposely said, I'm not going. Why would I want to go and hear about a doctrine that I know is truth, but I'm trying to suppress. I'm trying to ignore. I'm trying to ignore it. I'm trying to forget it. The Bible says this they do willfully forgetting. When you are not living right you don't want to talk about the end times you don't want to talk about apocalyptic events you don't want to talk about jesus's soon coming return you don't want to talk about holiness because you understand in your i mean as much as they try to suppress the truth deep down on the inside they're convicted of their unholy lifestyles they're convicted of what they're doing they're convicted of the wrongful thoughts they're convicted that they're not right with god and if christ were to return they know where they would spend eternity the bible says he has written eternity on our hearts god has written eternity on our hearts i'm convinced i'm thoroughly convinced that there is not one genuine authentic atheist on the earth I'm, i don't care if they say they are they have deceived themselves there is not one person on this earth that genuinely does not believe in god because the bible says in romans 1 his invisible attributes god's invisible attributes his eternal power and godhead are clearly seen being made evident through the things that he has made and the scripture says they did not keep god in their thoughts and they suppressed the truth in their own unrighteousness so there's no genuine i don't believe it there's no authentic atheist there's no atheist who actually believes there is no god the fool has said in his heart there is no god but the fool doesn't actually believe in his heart that there is no god the fool has said in his heart that there is no god but it's only because Psalm 14 says they have done abominable deeds they have become corrupt there's none who does good there's nobody who understands they live to to feed the flesh Paul said in Philippians their appetites are their gods and they seek they live day in and day out to do what Nike slogan is just do it if it feels good just do it that's called hedonism people want to do what cranks up their flesh that excites their flesh and they can't do that they can't maintain that excitement if they're reminded that one day they're gonna have to stand before a holy god and give an account for everything that they've done remember revelation 20 says that in when everything is said and done the dead will rise those that were in sin those that were in holiness they'll rise Oh, well, the holy ones will have risen seven years before the, the great tribulation, uh, the, the, the second coming of Christ in the rapture. But the dead that, 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 that um, the Bible says the sea even took out, the sea will spit out its dead. And those that are in the graves that didn't know God, all, you know, that whole thing, YOLO, you only live once. That's not true. You'll live twice. Even the dead will rise. And the Bible says we'll all stand before the judgment seat and the books will be open. And another book will be opened called the Lamb's Book of Life. And anyone whose name is not found in that book 
will go into the second death, which is the lake of fire, which was not prepared for people created in God's image. It wasn't prepared for human beings. It wasn't prepared for God's creation uh, in us. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But those that reject God, those that separate from God, those that refuse to follow God and don't obey the gospel of God, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, that they will suffer eternal punishment from the presence of the Lord and from the destruction of his power. This is what Peter says. There are people who willfully forget. They suppress that because they don't want to acknowledge that. You know, the Bible says this is the thought of the wicked. This is why they don't see God. God is in none of their thoughts. This is the thought of their wicked that God will not require an account. That God won't require an account for my life. That God will never, that I'll never have to give an account for what I've done in the flesh. That I'll never have to um, have any type of accountability with God. That I'll never have to. Stand before court and give an excuse for everything that I've done. That's the thought of the wicked. That's why they continue to do what they do. But I don't believe that's you watching right now. I believe that there are many that are watching, that are on fire for God, that want to do work for God, that are keeping their garments white and their lamps burning. And there's others of you, maybe you have lived a lukewarm life and you're not absolutely sure, certain in your heart that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to tell you, by the end of this broadcast, I'm going to give you an invitation where you'll be able to know that you know. As much as I'm sitting on this chair and you're alive and breathing, that your name is written in, you don't have to guess, you don't have to gamble, you can know that your life is right with God and that your sins be forgiven and that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. And I'm going to give you an, uh, an invitation in the minutes to come. But let me move on to what I was saying. This they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then exists perished being flooded by water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. That's why I can't get along with all these humanitarian efforts. Save the seals. Save the tigers. Save the white owls. Save this. Save the extinct species. They're, I'm not trying to preserve and save this world. This world is going to be consumed by fire. This world, the Bible says, with a shout. And with a loud noise, the heavens will pass away and the elements of this earth will be melted, being perished and being burnt by fire. So I'm not concerned with the cats on Sal McLaughlin's uh, commercials or the, the Sarah McLaughlin commercials where you had the cats or just, you know, save these stray cats. I, they're not my concern. Until we get every human being saved, until we have every soul that was created in God's image saved and on the ark of salvation, until we have a global awakening in the hearts of man, then I'm not concerned with the polar bears just yet. I'm not concerned. Global warming, they're talking about climate change. The, the, the climate change will, the climate's gonna change. The earth is gonna be, the Bible says the earth is now being preserved. So all these taxes that they give people, pay this green tax, pay this environmental tax all of that's not going to add anything though earth is now being preserved until the day where it's going to be consumed by fire all of that what it does is just put more money into politicians hands it puts more money into into uh, tax collectors hands it puts more money into 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 the government system that's all it does but the bible says that's why you can spend your life trying to save the polar bears 
and it'll do you no good. Your work, will, the Bible says we're actually going to come before God and the fire of God is going to test our work, what we did. And there will be some who built with wood, some with built that built with, str- with straws, and some that built with, with things that are perishable by fire. And the fire is going to test the work. And those who built by wood, those who built by straw, it'll be burnt. And the scripture says they will be saved, yet not so as through fire. But there's other people who built by gold, built by silver, and built in precious stone and precious uh, gems. And their work will be revealed as work that endures, and they shall receive a reward. I'm not working to build up something that's going to be burnt on that day. I'm working to build up and store up my treasure in heaven where I'm going to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, and I'm going to receive an imperishable crown. Hallelujah. A crown of life that Paul said, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have kept the faith. In the future, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness with the Lord's going to give me and to all those that love his appearing that's the crown you're going to receive from today your life will not be wasted your life's not going to just go building up some earthly kingdom your life will be spent on establishing a work for god that when everything is said and done god you're going to please god your testimony will please god you're not going to get around paul in heaven and have paul say everything god did through him and then you're just silent just standing by hoping the mic doesn't pass your way no you'll have done a great work you'll have made an indelible mark in your generation you're not just going to make a little noise here you're going to make a great noise on the earth you'll be used to lead many to righteousness you'll be used to shake regions to shake nations to shake continents all to the glory of god god will use you for such a time as this as an agent of change on the earth before it's eternally too late in the mighty name of jesus christ a grace is being released into you right now to work the works of him who sent you while it is yet day for night comes when no man can work in jesus name but beloved do not forget this one thing with the lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day and the lord is not slack concerning his promise he's not being slow he's not being uh he's not neglecting his promise as some count slowness or slackness but he's being patient towards us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance that i'm so thankful for that that god was patient to me because he could have come back in 2011 and i would have went to hell he could have come back in 2010 he could have come back in 2009 there's a lot of people in the church and i've said it many times and and it's 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 not a bad thing to say. I've said it. Lord, just come now. Lord, just come now. Paul said, I have a desire to be further clothed. He said, I'm hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to go and depart and be with Christ, which is far better for me. I'm not not rebuking you for saying that. I've said it many times. Lord, just come now. Just close things up. However, I know that that's selfish of me. Because there's people that if Jesus were come today, that they'd go to hell. If If Jesus were to come today, there's people next week that could have heard the gospel from my mouth that could have been saved god is being patient towards mankind not willing not willing that any should perish so all that theology and all that bad demonic satanic seducing doctrines of devils that has permeated into the church that says god saves some and others he is willed for them to go to hell and there's nothing you can do to save them the bible says very clearly in black and white god is not willing that any should be should perish 
church. He's not willing that any should go to a sinner's hell. He's not any that willing that any should go to a devil's hell, but that everyone should have time to repent and get right with God. That's why the scripture says, this is a trustworthy statement, deserving a full acceptance, that God desires all men to be saved. God didn't send Jesus for some men. God didn't send Jesus for most men. God sent Jesus for the whole world. The greatest gift God ever gave the world is Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was laid down for the sins of this world and he was raised up for the justification of those that would accept him, those that would say yes to Jesus. So we're not being selfish. That's why we're not just sitting in a pew, warming it up, being rapture ready, making sure that we're making heaven alone. No, my number one objective is to make sure I make heaven. But after that, Charles Spurgeon used to say, if you have no desire for others to be saved, I wonder if you're saved yourself. One of the fruit of salvation is that you have an Un insatiable unquenchable desire to see other people here to see other people come to Jesus hear this message of the cross that yes it might be foolishness to those that are perishing but it is it is it is the power of God unto all who are called by God man that's why we do our hope fest crusades that's why in two weeks from now I'm going to be standing on a stage in Saskatoon Saskatchewan pleading with people pleading with them saying repent for the kingdom of heaven heaven is a hand pleading with them come to Jesus all you that are weary and heavy laden he'll give you the rest that you're trying to find in alcohol he'll give you the rest that you're trying to find in alcohol and in addiction he'll give you the rest that you're trying to find in sex and in clubbing and in partying and in, 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 in marijuana and in money and in fame and in popularity he'll give you the rest that this world can gives you that's why we're spending money we're so we just I just sent a check yesterday I overnighted it to Saskatoon to, 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 to pay for this work because I'm not just talking oh God save the world we're going to put actions on our words we're going to put money where our mouth is we're not just going to pray that God saves people we're going to make sure that we get to the highways and the byways Jesus didn't say pray that angels go and save people no he said that now now that I'm going up Matthew 28 18 and 19 go ye therefore into all the nations and preach this gospel. Baptize the people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teach them everything that I've commanded you. And I'm going to be with you always. That's why when I step my feet, when I step on that stage in Saskatoon in two weeks, I know I'm not alone. I know it's Christ who is at work in me. The Bible says we are ambassadors for heaven for God as though God were pleading through us to this world be reconciled to God that's why I'm not afraid to stand before people no matter what they look like Jeremiah God told him don't be afraid of their faces for I'm with you to deliver them and to deliver you God is with us when we go out into the highways and byways he's not just with us to, to wrap his arms around us and just make sure we do it well no he's with us to confirm the word with signs and wonders like Elijah when he stood on the mount called Carl and the whole nation had been given over to idol worship the whole nation had been given over to the worship of the Baals and Elijah prayed oh God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob let it be known today that you are God that I'm your servant and at your word I've set up this altar 
send fire, O God. And when he finished praying that, the fire of God fell and the altar was consumed. Then the water was licked up and every child of Israel that had given over to idol worship and was living in sin and who had done wickedly and wanted nothing to do with God. In one day, in one day, their hearts were turned back to the Lord. Their hearts were turned back to heaven and there was a mighty awakening in the nation of Israel. Don't tell me my God can't do it in one day. Don't tell me that God can't form and change and transform a nation in one day. If he did it then, it's proof that he can do it now. But where are the Elijahs of God? Uh, there's all those people that say, where's the God of Elijah? Where's the God of Elijah? I'm here to ask you, where are the Elijahs of God? People that will take God at his word. People that will not shy away and coward away and just see it like their mission is to be friends with people. I'm not a friend to people. I'm a friend to sinners in that I want them saved. But my ultimate mission is to not shrink back from declaring the full counsel of the will of God. My ultimate mission is to not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for it is the power of God. It might hurt people. It might offend people. It might turn people away. All the world might hate you because of the message that you carry. The Bible says if they hated me, they're going to hate you. But the good news is blessed are you when you're persecuted and reviled and they hate you for my name and my word because on their part, God is blasphemed. But on your part, on your part, God is being glorified. I live for an audience of one. To live for me is Christ and to die is gain. I'm not interested in the accolades of men. I'm not interested in the appraisal of men. I'm not interested in the in, in the being lifted up by men. Man will lift you up today and tear you down tomorrow. I'm interested in being approved by God to be entrusted with this gospel because he, he is the one that saved me when I was at my lowest. He was the one that was there when I was on my way to hell in a handbasket. And so man was helpless. Man, man was, was no help for me. Man couldn't do it for me. But what man couldn't do, God did. And so my allegiance is with him. My loyalty is with heaven. And if man hates me but God's pleased with me, then that's enough for me. If that sounds like you, just type one in the chat. Shout hallelujah. Wherever you're at. So the Bible says in the last days, and I'll start with this. One of the signs of the times is that there's going to be mockers on the earth. And not just mockers in the world, mockers in the church. Mockers in the church. People in the church that... That'll, that, that'll literally make fun of a message like this. Uh, those are those, you know, holy rollers. Oh, th those must be the, the fanatics. Yeah, I am a fanatic. Because if... A bunch of fans can get into a stadium and cheer on Tom Brady or whoever else that football player is you like and they can look ludicrous and they can look like they're lunatics and they can look like they, they, they literally lost their minds for a man who's throwing a pig around a stadium. Then how much more should we be fanatics for the things that pertain to God and his kingdom? How much more should we be ashamed? You know when I lost my care for if people mock me? You know when I lost? I actually don't care if people mock me anymore. That's why I can sweat like this on a broadcast. I really don't care. I really do not have one ounce, one iota of care or concern about what other people think of me. Because when you turn on your television at 2 a.m. and there's infomercials on and you have this lady who's some psychic that's sitting behind a chair with a bunch of plants tied around her. She literally looks like Ivy from Batman and she's picking up phone calls and people are asking, my cat just died. What is she saying to me from the underworld? And they say, oh, I hear your cat saying meow, meow. And uh, he 
the cat's in a better place. The cat's being fed the best of all the cat food that you fed. Oh, that cat's being taken care of. Rest assured, the cat is saying, be at peace, the cat is. If they can be doing that and not be ashamed of that, then I don't care about what the world thinks of me. When you start to look at what the world celebrates, you start to not care about what they hate. When you start to look at what they parade in the streets and how they're, you know, the wickedness that they decided to, to not only celebrate, but to encourage others to practice, then I honestly do not care one bit about what they don't like about me. Because when all is said and done, we're all going to stand before God. And, and that's, when, that's when, when things are going to matter. That's when you're going to want to be on the right side. That's when you're going to want to be on the winning side. That's when you're going to want to have made the right decision here on the earth as to um, who you let influence your life. Number one is mockers. The Bible says, and I'm not going to spend more time on that, but mockers will come and they'll say, ever since the fathers fell asleep, ever since Paul died, ever since Peter died, ever since you know all the apostles died, everything stayed the same. You keep talking about the return of Christ. You know, on Twitter the other day, I saw someone write to an evangelist and say, uh, he, was an, he self-proclaimed atheist and he was making fun because that evangelist had a broadcast discussing the end times. And so he started to make fun of him saying, you know, like these... I can't believe there's still people like this alive. You know, Jesus isn't coming back. Get with the times. And the evangelist just wrote back this scripture that I just read. That atheist or self-proclaimed atheist literally fulfilled the prophecy that Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3. Isn't that funny? Number two, signs of the times. Knowledge will increase on the earth. Daniel 12, the Bible says, when Daniel was receiving the... um, the, 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 the words to write in a book from the angel called Gabriel. One of the things that he wrote down was that knowledge would increase. Knowledge, technology. You see in the last 10 years, the last 20 years, last 30 years with the internet, everything has sped up. We have, I can literally with this phone contact the entire globe. Knowledge has increased at an unprecedented rate. You go from the year 30 AD to the year 1730 AD, and not much technological advancements are cured. Yes, there have been several, but not to like astonish. You can take someone from the 1700s and put him in uh, the year 30 AD or 50 AD, and he might take a little while to acclimate, but it won't shock him to the point of literally passing out. But you take someone from 1730 and put him in on the earth today, right now in 2021, looking at the skyscrapers, looking at planes in the air, looking at trains, looking at cars, looking at these vehicles. We're not using horses anymore. We have industrial systems. We have uh, combine harvesters now that bring in harvests of crops. And we have these massive farm fields that were not possible when people just had a sickle. The amount of technological advancements that have happened in the last 200 years, 100 years, have outdone any other generation and then forget that from the year 1980 till now there's a great separation between uh, where they were technologically and where we are now we have a plane they're developing which will be uh, released in the next couple of years i think by 2025 that from new york to london you can get there in one hour so things have changed there's there's trains in japan that are bullet trains that can take you from one city to another That would have taken you like six hours, five hours to drive. Get you there in like half an hour, an hour. That's supernatural. That's what the Bible prophesies. That there's going to be a, it's going to pick up, pick up. 
There'll be developments. There'll be scientific discoveries. I mean, look at it. We've been to space, for goodness sakes. Number, number three, travel to and fro. I just talked about that in brief. Bible says in Daniel, let me read it so that people actually believe that it's in the Bible. Because some people just think that I'm like, you know, well, that's your interpretation of it. But no, listen to this. Daniel chapter, if you're just joining me now, welcome to the broadcast. You'd encourage me by sharing this and uh, you'd help others too by doing it. Daniel chapter 12, listen to this. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. And in that time, many will run to and fro. That's talking about travel, increasing on the earth. If I wanted to bring the gospel to Saskatchewan in the year 1600, I had to get on a horse and travel through the nation. Now, I get on a plane and I'm there in less than four hours. And then if I want to be in another, I can literally be in every Canadian city in one day and preach an event in every Canadian city in one day. It's because of time difference from, uh, from Newfoundland down to British Columbia. I can preach in every single major Canadian, Canadian city. They couldn't do that. That's why. All of this technological advancement, it's not so that the devil's crowd can enjoy it. It's not so that the devil's crowd can take advantage of it. It's not so that YouTube was, I mean, look at the technology in YouTube. I can preach to people that I'll never, maybe never even meet. Some of you are, you're in nations I've never been to. YouTube wasn't designed so that we can have Nicki Minaj do whatever or, or Cardi B put out her wicked videos. This was designed so that the gospel can get out at an increased rate, at a rapid rate, at an accelerated rate to expedite the gospel through the four corners of the age. I love Isaiah Saldivar because his gospel, because of what, and we're, we're, we're moving towards that. We're, we're going we're gonna to have a race, me and Isaiah. Who's going to have more subscribers in the future, in the future, in Jesus' name? But he... His, his platform, he's got like famous people, celebrities who would never spend one hour, one minute in a church popping up on his, on the last broadcast we just did on Tuesday, there was a famous YouTuber that stayed throughout the whole thing, gave him the offering and asked him privately for prayer. Look at what the technology that we have available to us. Paul, if Paul had this the ability to fly across the earth. He wouldn't have had to go through all those shipwrecks. He could have gone on one plane and, 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 and done his gospel crusades, his evangelistic mission, missionary crusades uh, at, at an increased rapid rate. Much quicker than today. Do you think I'm going to get to heaven and talk to Paul and say, hey, Paul, you know, and Paul talks to me. Everything he did, having a horse and a, a, sh a ship, a boat, and I'm going to say, well, yeah, you know what? I, I know what you did, and I know what God used you to do, but you were Paul, you know. I know we had airplanes and all that, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use everything God's putting on the earth and these rapid developments for the furtherance of the gospel. And the Bible says one of the signs will be travel will, 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 will increase to and fro. Number four, the Bible says in Ezekiel 38, you can study it, Gog and Magog are going to be... Uh, allied and they're going to come against the nation of israel well if you look at where gog and magog are geographically it's literally where china and russia are today and for the first time in history china and russia have a very tight knit alliance and then not only that with iran bordering and the bible says 
with Iran also in that, in that alliance. The Bible says God is actually going to get Russia, China, and Iran to come together and fight national Israel, fight against Israel. Well, you're seeing that happen right now. They're, joint, they're having joint military drills right now. I don't know if you knew that, but Russia and Iran and China have joint military drills happening on a monthly basis, getting people to prepare uh, themselves, soldiers, to be prepared for that day of, of, of uh, when, when, you know, if you look at Iran, Iran literally has PSAs, public service announcements, on uh, how, how they have a plan by 2050, I believe it is, to annihilate physical Israel from the earth. So all of this is happening right now. The Bible says that Israel's enemies will gather at its borders. And then I'll, I'll throw in a little bonus. There's a prophecy that says that when Israel's born again as a nation, rebirth as a nation, you can know that my return is near even at the, at the door. Well, Israel was reborn as a nation in May 14th, 1948. Remember when Jesus said that Israel was not a nation. Israel was under Roman occupancy. And he said, when you see Israel regain its national sovereignty, you can know that my return is near even at the door. That happened May 14th, 1948. And Jesus said, when you see that happen, when you see the fig tree bud again, you look at Catholic theology, theology books, Presbyterian, Protestant, whatever. They all, they all know that the fig tree Jesus was referring to is national Israel. And he said, when it buds again, when it regains its sovereignty, you can know that my return is near even at the door. Number four, uh, number five, sign of the time, earthquakes. Bible says you'll have earthquakes in various places. And we're starting to see that earthquakes where there were never earthquakes in recorded history, earthquakes that are higher in frequency and higher in intensity. There's earthquakes um, that are literally, you look at 2006, that earthquake that happened in the middle of the sea, of the Indonesian sea, caused that tsunami to come and wipe out, I think, 150 or 200,000 Indonesians ended up dying because of that one earthquake that, sti that, that stimulated that, uh, that tsunami. The Bible says there's not going to be less, less earthquakes. There's going to be more earthquakes. And in the last like 50 years, we've seen more earthquakes on planet Earth than any other time in recorded history. Number, uh, number five, pestilences, referring to deadly diseases, sicknesses, uh, viruses, bacterial infections, different types of viruses that would hit the Earth. Well, we saw... I mean, 2001, you got SARS, you got a couple years later, there was uh, H1N1, then there was Zika, then there was, uh, now we, you know, in the last year, unless you were under a rock somewhere, COVID hit the earth. The Bible doesn't say there's going to be one pestilence, it says pestilences, and there's going to be more pestilences. And I want to remind you, for those of you who are doom and gloom people, that think that God is sending judgment on the earth through COVID, God is not sending judgment on the earth through COVID. It is not the time of COVID. It's, it's not the time of God's judgment. It is the time of God's favor, the Bible says, just like the ark door was open throughout the time that Noah was preaching to that generation to repent and be saved. The ark door is still open. It's still the day of God's favor. God's mercy is still being extended to this earth. God has not poured out his judgment on planet earth yet. 
That day will happen after the rapture of the Lord Jesus Christ and the seven years of great tribulation, great trouble, where God will pour out the vials of his wrath on planet earth and there will be a time of trouble such as has never been and shall never be and has never been since the beginning of the creation of man. So COVID is not God's judgment. COVID is just one of the end time plagues that are going to hit the earth. It's literally things ramping up. It's things uh, it, it's it's prophecy being fulfilled. It's not God who commissioned COVID. God allowed COVID because God will allow God. You know, God's sovereignty does sovereignty doesn't mean He's like in charge or control of everything. God will allow you to go to a bank and rob it today. Does that mean he was sovereign in the decision for you to go and rob the bank? No, he wasn't sovereign in that decision to make you go. And he didn't make you go and do it. He permitted it, but he didn't commission it. You got to get those two clarified in your mind. God's permission is not to be confused with God's commission. Just because God permitted it does not mean God commissioned it. So COVID was not God's commission. It was God's permission. It happened. And I think God will use it to actually wake up the church. And I believe that's what's happened. God is using that last year to literally awaken many churches to the urgency of the times. Some of you, maybe you, didn't, you weren't even saved in 2019 when COVID hit. Something hit you where you, you maybe remembered all kinds of end time preaching when you were growing up and you remembered one of the signs would be pestilence and it woke you up. It literally woke you up to the urgency of the times that it's not a time to be playing and gambling with your salvation. It's a time to be red hot on fire for God knowing that the Bible says that no man will know the day or the hour in which Jesus will come and Matthew 24, 44 says, therefore you always be ready for the Son of Man cometh at an hour you do not expect. So some of you gave your lives to Christ in 2020 and, you, and it was genuine and you'll never go back. You'll never backslide. But you see how God used that year to turn it for your good. Pestilences. You look at the cancer rate. One in 10 to one in five to one in three. That's in like 30 years, in 40 years, or 50 years. From 1970 to now, it went from 110, 1 in 5, 1 in 3, and they're saying in our lifetime it's going to go to 1 in 2. Bible says that this is going to happen. Wickedness will abound on the earth. Wickedness will increase. Jesus said in Matthew 24, lawlessness will increase. And when lawlessness increases, the consequence and penalty of lawlessness will increase. G uh, Proverbs says that the sin of a nation will bring a reproach or a curse. Sin by itself. God doesn't have to curse a nation when it's in sin. Sin by itself magnetizes a curse to that nation. God doesn't have to send a curse. God doesn't have to do anything anything when you sin and continuing in sin and practical and, and 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 practice sin in your life and keep on in habitual sin he doesn't have to make life hard for you the bible says the way of the transgressor will be hard hardship will come naturally to you the curse will flow naturally to you that's why you got to get rid of sin before sin gets rid of you that's why you got to put sin cut sin out of your life before sin cuts you out of the life the land of the living so the bible says these pestilences are going to increase but it's not god sending sickness on the earth it's going to be the result of lawlessness increasing in the four corners of the earth producing these things Do you remember sickness was not in the garden of eden sickness came when sin came when sin spreads and spin, sin increases and sin becomes more intense and the heart of every man is only to do wicked continually then the natural byproduct of that will be that sickness will increase but the good news is 
The, we read it before. In the last days, the day will be burning like an oven. But unto you who fear my name, you don't have to fear the sicknesses. You don't have to fear the cancer rate going up because unto you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. God has a plan. Hallelujah. God has a plan to protect you no matter the plague that hits the earth. God has a plan to keep you, to preserve you, to guard you, to protect your coming in and protect your going out. The Bible says it. This way in Exodus, when God said to Moses, I'm going to send darkness on the earth in the land of Egypt, so dark that people won't even see one foot in, ahead of them. There'll be such a darkness, people won't leave their house for three full days because they won't know where they're going. But the Bible says, when there was darkness over the land of Egypt, there was light in the place of Goshen where the Israelites dwelt. God has another path for his children, God has another plan for his children, God has another agenda for his children. God has a plan to exempt you no matter the trials that hit the earth, no matter the trouble that hits the earth, no matter the curse, no matter the work of hell that he seeks to establish, the devil seeks to establish on the earth, God has a plan to exempt you from those things. There's a covenant exemption for a child of God. The Bible says not a dog will even bark its mouth against you because I have preserved you and spared you. As a father spares an obedient child, so I will keep you as a jewel of precious jewel to me Malachi 3 says and in that day the world will again discern between those who serve the Lord and those that serve him not people aren't just going to hear that you're a Christian people are going to see that there is a mark on your life that there is a touch not anointing and decree on your life Paul said it this way I bear in my body the mark of exemption the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ Therefore, let no man trouble me. You have that mark on your life. It's a mark that exempts you. It's a mark that keeps you. It's a mark that protects you. Psalm 91, those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High shall abide under the protective barrier of the Most High. And I will say of my God, He is my fortress. God will be a fortress around you. He'll be a fortress around your, your body. He'll be a fortress around your children. He'll be a fortress around your mind. He'll, you, you don't have to fear the terror that is in darkness. You don't have to fear the arrow that flies by day. You don't have to fear the pestilence that stalks in darkness, the diseases that lay waste at noon. For a thousand can fall to your side. Ten thousand can fall at your right hand. But these evils, Psalm 91 says, these evils, hallelujah, these evils shall never come near your dwelling place because you've made the Lord your most high, even God your dwelling place. Therefore, he'll give his angels charge concerning you to guard your feet up in all your ways lest you even dash your foot against a stone. The Bible says that because you've set your love on God, God will set his love on you and he'll keep you and he'll protect you in the day of trouble. He'll cover your head in the day of battle and you'll come out like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had a different story because they served a different God. Other people went into that burning fiery furnace and they died. But when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in, the fourth man, the son of God, came and stood by them and they left that place not even smelling like smoke because our God is a consuming fire and he'll protect you from natural fire. My God is going to keep you through these days that are ahead of us. He's going to keep you. He's going to cause you to come through the other side not even smelling like smoke. Your clothes won't be burnt up. You won't drown by water. You won't be burnt by fire. No, in righteousness you'll 
be established. You'll be far from oppression. You'll be far from terror because your God is good and he protects his children. Hallelujah. Woo. Rekostombra vitarahabo. Ekerenia sotoro kondabara. My God is good. You don't have to worry about a thing. Isaiah 3.10 says, Say unto the wicked, it will not go well with you. But then God says, But say to the righteous, Say to those that know my name, Say to those that are in covenant with me, All will be well. All will be well with you. It's going to be well with you. It's going to be well with you. If you're in covenant with God and you're living a holy life and you're living sin free and you've kept your garments white, the Bible has another path for you. It shines brighter and brighter even unto that perfect day. The Bible says, I will make a distinction between the Egyptian and the Israelite. I'm going to make a distinction between the world and those that are in covenant with me. And God said, my covenant, I'm not going to break with them. God's covenant isn't contingent upon the times. God's covenant isn't broken because times get hard and times get uh, difficult the bible says in the last days perilous times will come but his covenant still in place he's still jehovah rapha he's still the god who heals and keeps his people healthy he's still jehovah jireh the god that's going to keep you uh, provided for the god that's going to supply all that you need according to his riches and glory he's still jehovah nisi the god who is your banner and your victory he's still jehovah shama the god who's a very present help in time of trouble he's still jehovah shah the lord my shepherd who leads me where I don't lack. He leads me by still waters and makes me to lie down in green pastures. He's still the God who said, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, don't have to fear the evil around you because of the God that's in you. Yeah, he'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. While the world's going down in a spiral, God said, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to exalt my people just like he did in the days of Israel when they came out of Egypt. As they were leaving Egypt, the Bible says God put it in the hearts of the Egyptians to shower them with blessing and they didn't leave broken and bruised and contorted and distorted and poor and useless and irrelevant Israel left rich the Bible says there was none feeble amongst all their tribe they left with silver and with gold Israel didn't leave that place defeated and broken they left victoriously they left in triumph we're not leaving the rapture's not God's not coming back for some broken and bruised church he's coming back for a spotless bride without any spot or wrinkle he's coming back for a glorious bride he's coming for a bride that's occupied on the earth he's coming back for a church in revival we might not see revival happening right now in a lot of places but I'm telling you there are pockets of revival that are happening on the earth today and those pockets can't be contained and they're spreading and this pocket that God put in me I'm a man God put revival in me in 2012 and some of you are catching it's a contagious flame it infects you and when it gets in you you can't stay like Jeremiah it's a fire shut up in your bones and you can't stay or keep it down hallelujah Bible says number seven famines will hit the earth economic disaster the Bible says number uh, number eight that there will be an increase in wickedness. Men will be lovers of self. Love, men will be boastful. Men will be um, arrogant. They'll be disobedient to parents. They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'll turn away. They'll, they'll have a form of godliness, but they will turn away from the power, deny or reject the power of God that is able to save people. That we're seeing. Number, uh, number 
Number nine, the days of Lot. The Bible says, so shall the days of the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, what were the days of Lot like? The Bible says that homosexuality was rampant in the days of Lot because when angels were sent to deliver Lot, the men of that city came to Lot's door and knocked on the door and said, give me those angels that we might have sex with them. Give us those men that came in, give them that we might have sex with them. And Lot as twisted as he was, said, just, just have my daughters, but preserve these men. And they said, no, we want the men. So Lot's day was um, marked by a rise of homosexual behavior. We're seeing that. I mean, Lester Sumrall prophesied this in the 80s, that there'd be a day where governors and politicians would stand in parades in cities, parading for Pride, uh, gay pride and stuff like that. Well, when he said that in the 80s, that's ludicrous. That, that wasn't happening in the 80s. You, if you were gay, you stayed in your closet. Now, we're having that. We're even our, my own nation. The Prime Minister of Canada. And, and you know, YouTube's is probably not going to like what I'm saying right now. But anyways, I, I, don't, I don't care. The Prime Minister of Canada marches and then politicians in every city march in those those pride parades every single year the whole month of june they dedicate towards uh this demon of gay pride bible says as the days of lot were so shall the days of the son of man be and then number 10 and this is where i'm st i'm going to finish off this broadcast the number 10 so all those were like negative signs things that aren't going to look too good but matthew 24 let me read this the number 10 sign of the end days and why I titled this global revival number 10 take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying I'm the Christ and will deceive many and you will hear wars and rumors of wars see the disciples came to Jesus and said if you are the um if if if, if you're talking about like this end time stuff when will be the time of your coming you know we just heard when's the time of the end of the age when is going to be the time uh, of, of the restoration of all things. And Jesus didn't say, hey, hey, you know, don't ask questions like that. You guys are getting too curious. You're getting too comfortable around me. You know, we're not gonna, it's not for us to know the days or the time or the hour. Not Just, just live ready. And, and when, when I see it fit to come, I'll come. He didn't rebuke them for, answer that, for answering that. Many preachers, that's how they deal with the end times. No man, that's the only scripture they know. No man knows the day or the hour, so just live ready. Yeah, but Jesus moved on and said, these signs are going to happen. He didn't rebuke them for asking. He said, pay attention to these things happening and transpiring on the earth, and you'll know that my return is near. And he says, you'll hear of wars, rumors of wars, see that you're not troubled. All these things will come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. We just talked about that. All these are the beginning of sorrows. They're like birth pangs, like a contra contraction of a woman in labor. The first contraction comes, and man, I think I'm going into labor. You go to the hospital, and the contractions don't get less intense as the time of labor comes and the delivery time comes. The contractions get more intense and more rapid as the time of delivery approaches. Jesus said that these signs are going to become more rapid because people say, well, there's always been earthquakes. There's always been famines. There's always been diseases. There's always been war rumors of wars. Well, Jesus said, yes, but those things are going to increase in rapidity, in, in rate. They're going to happen more and more often, just like a woman going into labor. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, I have no need to write you. 
about this, for you know full well that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. When men are saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come on the earth like pains on a pregnant woman. And so that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that happen. Then they'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will be offended and will betray one another. There's another sign. Many will be offended. Everybody's offended, offended by everything. We have cancel culture now. You say one thing that somebody didn't like, they cancel you. We're not buying your product. We're not doing any of that. You, you, they bring up your you know, politicians. Now... Uh, wanting to run for something and they go back to when they were 14 years old well he actually hopped a fence and tr he trespassed on a place well he's a trespasser we got to cancel him out you know like they're bringing up everything that offends them you say one word well, I don't like there's a, a commentator NHL commentator Don Cherry in Canada he said one thing that was interpreted wrong. He didn't, it wasn't wrong what he said, but it was interpreted wrong. And they canceled him and CBC that hired him, who, who he had been commentating on NHL games, Hockey Night in Canada, the most watched thing on a Saturday night in all of Canada. They, he had been doing that for like 50 years or 40 years. And they cut him out based on one thing. Many will be offended by everything. Get offended by everything. I'm not going back to that church. Why? Well, I walked in, I had a new hat, and pastor didn't even bring it up. You're going to go to hell because someone didn't bring up your, your hat? You're going to go to hell because pastor didn't smile at you when he walked by you? You're going to go to hell and harbor unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart because the pastor didn't bring up your name and he was listing up a bunch of volunteers. He missed your name and a few others, and so now you're bitter and you're not going back to that church? Many will be offended. Don't fall into that category that's prophesied. And we'll betray one another and we'll hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. You got all kinds of people talking about they're the Christ and they're, and, and they're Jesus in the flesh. I mean, just in the last 10 years, there's been all kinds of people that have called themselves the Messiah who say they're literally Jesus in the flesh, who, who uh, are any other like Far East gurus that talk about the, they're like the, the restorer of all things. They're the ones to bring peace. Jesus said many false prophets and Christ will arise. What's a Christ? Messiah. What's a Messiah? One that brings restoration. One that saves. Many will rise up and will deceive many. And because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. People don't love people anymore. They, oh, they say, oh, I love you, man. I love you, man. Well, then when time actually comes to love someone and lay down your life for them, they don't actually love them. They just say, they throw that word love out so loosely. But we can tell love has grown cold. Last year, all the riots happening in the United States and, and, across, Canada, and, and across Canada too. The love of many will grow cold. But I want to focus on this. And he who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 14. This is my last point. And this gospel, not a gospel, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. This gospel. What's this gospel? The gospel that Jesus preached. The gospel that Paul preached. Salvation through Christ alone. And then the confirmation through signs and wonders. A gospel without power is no gospel at all. A gospel without signs and wonders is no gospel at all. A gospel has been preached on the earth. But Jesus said, there's this gospel. What was Jesus' gospel? He went teaching, 
preaching the gospel and healing every kind of sickness and disease. The last time, the last day revival that we're going to see and we're already seeing happening right now is going to be marked by a wave of supernatural healings and deliverances such as has never been witnessed before. Turn to Joel chapter 1. Joel chapter 1. Actually, Joel chapter 2. Listen to this. Joel chapter 2 and verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion. That's in the church. That's what an evangelist is. An evangelist ministry to the church is to blow the trumpet, to sound the alarm in my holy mountain, God said. To let people know, hey, wake up. It's not time to be playing games. It's not time to be just going to church as a routine. It's not time to be lukewarm right now. If you're lukewarm, Jesus said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. It's time to set our mind on the things of heaven. It's time to, like Jesus said in Luke 21, 34, be careful lest your heart be weighed down through carousing and drunkenness and dissipation and the day of the Lord come on us unexpectedly. Pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape those things. Blow the trumpet, sound the alarm. Get people to wake up. Get back into their prayer closet. The Bible says the reason why revival doesn't come to a place is because the priests, which we're priests unto our God and Savior, they don't weep between the altar and the doorpost. If you have, when's the last time you weep for your community? When's the last time you shed a tear for your nation? When's the last time you begin to plead with God like David did when he said, rivers of waters run from my eyes because men forsake your law? When's the last time you got down on your knees and said, Lord, if you don't give me revival, give me death. Give me souls or give me death. I'm not going to tolerate wickedness running rampant in, my, in my, my, my city, in my nation. Lord, I know that your eyes are running to and fro throughout the earth, seeking one whose heart is loyal to you. Lord, let your eyes be stayed on me. I know you're seeking for a man, Ezekiel 22, 30, who would stand in the gap and rebuild the walls of righteousness so that you wouldn't have to destroy destroy the land. God, let your eyes be fixed on me. Raise me up as a deliverer in my generation like you did with Moses. One man, when he had an encounter with the fire of God, he went into Pharaoh's courts and the Bible says God told him, I will make you a God unto Pharaoh. When God gives you an encounter with his fire, his fire gets in you and you begin to walk around with a God-like nature so that you can take people out of the clutch of sin and hell and bring them into the kingdom of heaven. Moses was made a god unto Pharaoh. Pharaoh represented Satan and Egypt represented the world. Satan is establishing his pharaohic reign over the people of this world. But we need men like Moses, men like Elijah, men like John G. Lake, men like Billy Graham that are going to stand in the gap and say, Pharaoh, Satan, let my people go. And not just say it, but go to the places where no man will go. Go to the places nobody steps their foot in. And then bring this salvation message, this message that is timeless, this message that is still relevant, this message that has never lost its relevancy, this message that still carries power with God to set the captive free from sin, from sickness, from death, from spiritual death, and bring them into the kingdom of God. The Bible says the people will come. That's talking about the end time army. The SEAL Team 6 of God. The Navy SEALs of heaven. An army will stand. 
great and strong. That's you and that's me. I'm not going to be on the, in the rafters cheerleading others as they go and win the loss and get their hands dirty. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 20, the parable of the people standing idle and the master of the vineyard came out and he said, go and, and, and get people to work in my vineyard. And he went out at the third hour and he found people there and he said, come and work in my vineyard. And they came then at the sixth hour, then at the ninth hour and at the 12, 11th hour, which is where we're at. He said, why are you still standing idle? Why are you still standing idle? Why are you still chillaxed? Why are you still relaxed about the situation? Get back in. Get into my harvest field. And the Bible says they answered the call and they went to work. They went to work. There's too many people standing idle, cheerleading, the evangelist and the pastor and everyone else. The, we're the body of Christ. It's the work of evangelism is not just for the evangelist. The work of evangelism is not just for the pastor. The work of, the, of evangelism is not just for a special select few of individuals in the church that are called to full-time ministry. The Bible says we all, if we're saved, have received the ministry of reconciliation. I have a ministry. You should write that i have the ministry of reconciliation i have the ministry of winning souls i have a ministry of soul winning if you're saved you have the ministry of reconciliation and the bible says god has given us the word of reconciliation for so all those people for all those people that say well you know i, I know i have to win souls but i just don't have the right words the bible says you have the right words you have the right words you have the word of reconciliation and the Bible says we're ambassadors of heaven. So don't stand idle. The Bible says a people will come great and strong, the like of which has never been, nor will there ever be any after any, any be, sorry, nor will there ever be any such after them, even for many successive generations. A fire devours before them. That's the fire of God going ahead of you to the city that God's calling you to go to, to the community, to the region that God's calling you to go to. See, the good news about when you go to preach, God already sent his angels to prepare the place for you. He already sent the fire of God to prepare the place for you. He even said, I will go before you and make every crooked place straight. So when you're going to preach, God already made it so it's, it's conducive for a move of God. When we go to Saskatoon in two weeks to preach the gospel in that area that, that, that is, is, has been ransacked by hell, I know God has, is already moving in those people. I know that God is already calling people. God is already moving in the hearts of people. God is already dispatching. The Bible says angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister on behalf of those who will inherit salvation. Angels can preach the gospel, but angels will help those that are called to preach the gospel. And I know the angels of the Lord are already working on that crusade field. They're already working in the hearts of those that will be there present. God knows exactly who's going to be there, and He's already working on their hearts so that when I sow the seed of the gospel, it'll get implanted in in their spirits and it'll cause the rebirth born again a fire devours before them and fire be behind them and the land is like the garden of eden before them and the bible says their appearance is like the appearance of horses and like swift steeds so they run you're a war horse for god with a noise like chariots over mountains they leap and the bible says listen to this Verse 10, the earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness, and the Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great, and strong is the one who executes his word. 
For the day of the Lord is great and terrible. Who can endure it? I started out on Tuesday by talking to you about why you need the Holy Ghost. And we went through certain points. And if you have a chance, go and watch that broadcast. And I said I would finish it off today. And it seems like, man, it doesn't sound like he was going to finish off today. This seems like a totally different topic. It's actually not. Because the final point of what I was going to get in on Tuesday of why you need the Holy Ghost is for this very reason. There is a harvest that needs to come in. And Jesus said, look at the harvest fields. They're ripe to be harvested. So don't give the excuse, oh, this generation's too hard. Uh, this generation doesn't want anything to do with God. It might look like that on the outward. But Jesus looks at the heart. And Jesus said the harvest is ripe. And if it was ripe then, then it's ripe now. So Jesus never gave an excuse. Oh, people don't want to hear my message. He never said the harvest was the problem. He said the problem as to why people aren't coming into the kingdom is there's too few laborers for the harvest field. And he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send more laborers into the harvest field. That's who you are. That's who I am. We are laborers. That other generations prayed that God would activate to be dispatched into the harvest field to bring in this last time harvest before it's eternally too late. And before you can be an effective laborer. See, you can labor all you want. There's many people that are trying, trying to get more people to come to their church. You know, all these statistics, I'll tell you something. All these statistics, if you read statistics that the church is actually on a decline, that there's not, um, there's people leaving the church at a high level, that there's, uh, uh, you know, a, a mass exodus from the church, that you, you know, you look at these Pew researches that people are, are, are um, departing their faith, they're leaving their faith that they grew up in, they're leaving the church that they grew up in. Go and look. What they don't tell you is the denominations that they belong to. Go and look at what kind of churches they're leaving. Go and look at what type of churches they're leaving. They're not leaving Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, fire-baptized churches that are seeing signs and wonders. They're leaving the lukewarm. And I don't blame them. I'd be leaving too. I don't have any desire to be in a church or in a place where God is not moving. I don't have any desire to go to a place where it's just liturgy and it's just religious processions or the, the, the priest comes out and just showers you with holy water and that's it. I've been to those churches. I, there's nothing. They might as well just put up Ichabod on their church building. For the glory of the Lord has departed. So I don't blame those that my generation is leaving. I would leave too. But you want to know what they're not telling you? There's a revival and a surge of people that are coming where God is moving. That are joining themselves to Holy Ghost churches where the power of God is flowing. There are revivals across America that are happening right now in places where the Spirit of God has freedom to move, where they're not hour of power services, where if the Holy Ghost doesn't move in 30 minutes, then, they're, then they're, He's not welcome this week and He better, better, neck, better, better luck next time. Where the Holy Ghost is cherished, where the move of God is cherished, where people are mocking miracles and mocking God and mocking the move of the Spirit and mocking tongues, but are giving freedom... Uh, the chair of honor on the platform 
for God to move in those services. And there's an influx of young people that are flowing to those places because they're hungry for the authentic. They're hungry for a move of God. So you can labor in the harvest field and fail miserably. Till Osborne went to India, not being baptized in the Holy Ghost, not carrying the power of God. And he hit a wall. He couldn't get people to be convinced of the gospel. He couldn't convince people out of Islam. He couldn't convince people out of uh, Hinduism. He had no power to come alongside his words. And so he was frustrated and he was going to quit the ministry. But then he he had an encounter with the raw power of God. That's why Acts 1.8, I read it before. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come on you to be my witnesses. If you try and win the loss in your own strength, you're going to fail miserably. Nobody's going to want to do anything, have anything to do with you. Paul said it this way. My gospel didn't come in word only. I didn't come with cute tales. I didn't come with nice stories. I didn't come with nice quotes from authors that I like. I didn't come with a TED Talk, a poem, and a back rub at the altar. I came in the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. This generation, we owe it to our generation to give them a Pentecostal book of Acts, early church encounter and experience. Why isn't God, it seems like work, like he, he's not working the same way he did in the book of Acts. It's not because his program has changed. His program has still remained the same and it remains the same through the ages. It's because men have changed their doctrine and substituted for dogma statements what they think about God we don't want to have God come in our service and disrupt things we don't want people to be confused if they hear tongues we don't want to get things rowdy in this I don't care what I look to men I don't care what my service if it looks disorderly to men because what's disorderly to men is actually quite orderly to God on the day of Pentecost they would have freaked out modern theologians when they saw tongues of fire on people's heads and they were all speaking in other tongues all at one time. Well, should they be speaking in other tongues and all at one time? I mean, that sounds disorderly. That doesn't look like God. This must be the devil. The Bible says they even accused Jesus of being demonic because he cast out devils by the, by the Spirit of God. Anytime you move out in the power of God, anytime you make it a point to like Paul who said, my gospel did not come in word. The kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. You're going to have people that rise up against you. You're going to have people that are going to want to quench the Spirit. You're going to have people they're going to want to strip you of that fire they're going to want to zap you of that energy they're going to try and get you to go back into the religion from which you've come out but if you'll stand strong and say no if that's how the bible says i'm going to have it if that's how the word of god says i'm going to do it if the blueprint of crusades has never changed then i'm not going to buy into this religious crap that they're saying that the day of crusades is over the days of people coming to hear the gospel night after night is over that's that was in the 60s in the healing revival but now people aren't going to do that really because when Justin Bieber comes to town and he does three days there's people that buy tickets to that event every single night you think people are more hungry for Justin Bieber than they are for an encounter with the power of God so that their mess can be turned into a message I tell you don't believe the lie of the devil we are in the generation that's going to seek the Lord we are in the generation that's going to turn to the Lord we are in the generation that Elijah was in that the hearts of the children are going to turn back to the Lord they're God and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and God's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost right now to go and be that voice and influence and God's hands and feet wherever you might find yourself. So someone asked at the beginning of the broadcast, how? How do you win your region to the Lord? How do you bring revival to your community? Very simple. Very simple. 
Acts one, Acts eight, the Bible says. Let me let me read it. Acts chapter eight. <clears throat> Acts chapter eight, verse four. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. He didn't go to Samaria. Revival does not just happen because we're releasing prophetic prayers and worship over the city. That's not how revival comes. Find the book of Acts. Read it. I'll give you $10,000 if you can show me that someone just came, brought their guitar, and started to pray over the city. And all of a sudden, without anybody even moving, the church staying in the walls of the church. Actually, they were still in the upper room. And nobody moved. Actually, in Acts chapter 2, when... 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. People were actually in wonder because Peter didn't even say anything. No, the pattern has always been. Peter got up and preached. And with many other words, he exhorted the generation. And the Bible says they were pricked to the heart. And they said, what must we do to be saved? Revival came in Acts chapter 2. And they used the revival that happened in their heart. And the tongues of fire on their head. And the power that hit their bodies. And in their spirits, they used it to preach the gospel. What did the preaching do? It persuaded people to say, what must we do to be saved? And that day, 3,000 were added to the church. The next couple of days later, Acts 3, Peter and John going to the, to the uh, gate called Beautiful. Peter and John see that lame man who was laid daily at the gate called Beautiful. They lift him up. The miracle happens. The multitudes come run, running together. What did Peter do? Let me, just, let me just lead you in a song. John, if you would just put on your purple leotards and just do that interpretive dance you've been choreographing for. He didn't do that. People do all those things to feel like they're bringing revival. It doesn't do anything. Revival comes. When Philip went down to Samaria, listen to this. The multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Revival came when Philip decided, I'm not just going to pray for a move of God, I'm going to be the move of God. I'm not going to wait for someone else to go to Samaria, I'm going to go to Samaria. So what, did, what do you do? What do you do to bring revival in your region? I, what we're do, I'll tell you what we're doing. The blueprint for Hope Fest is this. We set up a festival in Saskatoon. We did this in Montreal, St. Leonard, Laval, and Chateauguay, Quebec. What we do is we set up a festival. We get permission from the city to set up a, a, a citywide festival. We don't advertise it like it's you know, a Holy Ghost meeting or anything like that because all you're going to do is attract Christians. You're not gonna, Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so a fisherman, a good one at that, will know that certain fish require certain bait. If I was trying to get Christians to come in, I would use different bait. But since I'm trying to get the world to come in, we use different bait. We advertise a barbecue. We advertise free giveaways. We do Xboxes, AirPods, Apple products. We, do it. we, we invest money into this to, to draw people in. And then we give them all raffle tickets, all that. So they, we have good music playing, not hidden music. We have Christian music, but it's like upbeat. It's not like uh, even, uh, uh, what's that ocean song? Spirit Lead Me, where the walls are without, whatever. I don't even know the song. But we're not, we're not singing songs like that. We're not singing worship songs in the park, you know, where people are going to, oh, you know, I think I know what this is. We're singing upbeat, 
old time Pentecostal songs that like get people excited. Even if they don't hear the words, they're like, man, this is happy. It's a happy place. Maybe have some Christian rap. Who knows? Whatever. So they come in. They think this is a festival. Then I get up and I, I greet the crowd. And then I tell them, you guys might have come here for a flat screen TV tonight. Might have come here for a, 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 a brand new television or AirPods or iPhone or whatever. But all those things are not going to satisfy you because you might have a new flat screen TV. But what is a new TV if you're sitting on a couch and your home is in disorder and your children don't talk to you? What is a, a, a new iPhone if you have cancer that's right through your system and you have six months to live? What is all these things, all these prizes? What if you leave here with a $100 MasterCard, prepaid Visa, whatever, prepaid MasterCard, credit, but you still struggle with depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts? I want to introduce you to, and then I just preach Christ to the people. Talk about Christ the healer. Talk about Christ the deliverer. Talk about Christ who is the Prince of Peace. And then give a strong invitation for them to come to Christ. And you'll find out when you step out like that, the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, listen to this. Mark 16. Mark chapter 16. And verse 19. And after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So they went out and preached everywhere. They didn't just sit on their rear ends and 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 holding revival services in the church that revival services in the church are necessary it's to bring revival to the church because you can't revive others if you're not vived yourself but they went after that and what they received they distributed it to their generation and what happened the lord worked with them god doesn't work with lazy people god doesn't work with sitters god does not work with sleepers god works with goers he goes with those who go and he accompanied the word preached with signs and wonders. C.T. Studd used to say, dinner, uh, signs and wonders are the dinner bell to salvation. It gets people to have a crave for Jesus because it shows them that he's not just a theory or a philosophy. Jesus Christ is alive and he's Lord of Lord and King of, King of Kings. He's alive. This, I mean, I remember... One, uh, an atheist that came to my church and he got saved and he said every other message because he was seeking, he was going, he was an agnostic. He was going to Buddhist temples. He went to uh, Hindu temples. He went to uh, Muslim temples. He went everywhere to the mosques and he was listening and taking in all the religious teachings. And he said all of their teachings touched my head. But this gospel reached my heart. And that's what, that's what the power of God coming alongside the, alongside the word does. Jesus said the spirit, when he comes, he'll convict men of truth. And he, if they reject Christ that day, it's only because they don't want him. It's not because they don't know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so I titled this Global Revival because that's where we're at right now. Isaiah 60. In the last days, darkness will hit the earth. Deep darkness will be on all the people. But he says, unto you, the glory of the Lord will be seen on you, and my light will shine on you. Let me read the rest of that. Isaiah 60. 
We're on the, we are in the beginning stages of the greatest revival to ever hit the earth. And this is what the Bible says it's going to look like when it hits its fullness. The darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness will cover all the people. But the Lord will rise on you. And his glory and power will be seen on you. And the Gentiles will come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. You look at what happened in Africa. Just in nine years of Reinhard Bonnke's crusades. 70 million people giving their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. As they saw wheelchairs being passed from the back to the front when they had 2.5 3 million people on one field in one night and by the end of the week they had uh they had like 2.4 million decisions for christ in africa in nigeria do you think god wants to do that there and he doesn't want he's ignoring america he's ignoring canada no he just needs a Reinhard Bonnke to work with. He needs someone. And Reinhard Bonnke was not this eloquent speaker. And he wasn't some uh, phenomenal preacher. He was a great preacher and all. But God chose the weak things of this world. He was actually a shy German boy before God called him and anointed him. So you might be watching this and you're saying, man, I don't know how to speak. I don't know where I'd start. I don't know what to do. I, I, don't, I don't even know the word that much. God calls the foolish things of this world to shame the things which are wise. If you feel like you're unqualified, that's exactly what makes you qualified. If you feel like you can't do it, that's exactly why God's calling you to do it. Gideon was hiding from the Midianites in a wine press, threshing wheat. And he was a coward, didn't want to go to war. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty man of valor. God didn't call Gideon from what, by what he was because he was a coward. God called Gideon because of what God's power in him was going to make Gideon to, me, to be a mighty man of valor. And he told, Gideon started to mouth off. Where's the God of our fathers? Where's the God of signs and wonders? Where are the miracles we've heard about? There's too many Christians that complain about, oh man, I wish I was alive in Wigglesworth's day. I mean, it seems like nobody wants anything to do with God any longer. It seems like the days of power are, are gone. It seems like the good old church days, they've pretty much run out. But, you know, bless God, we know that uh, one day we'll be raptured up and we'll be with God in heaven forever, though we might not see His power ever again on the earth. You know, people are always talking about the good old days. Gideon was talking about the good old days. You know what God said? Go in this might of yours. You're ticked about the... You know, when God shows you the depravity of a nation, it's not so you can start complaining about why nobody wants anything to do about God any longer. It's not for you to just point out everything that's wrong with your generation. It's not for you to come up with a YouTube channel just so you can like, uh, you know, call out everybody's sins. When God showed Ezekiel the valley full of dry bones, it was because he wanted him to be used to prophesy to the dry bones so they can rise up and live again. When God shows you the depravity of a nation, it's because he's putting power in you to change that national situation and bring revival to your nation. When God sees that sin has taken over in a nation, he doesn't send judgment, he sends revival, and he sends you and I to bring that revival. The Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Bible says you are the salt of the earth. You are the city set on a hill. You are the light of this world. A light that is under a bed cannot do anything. Salt that loses its flavor cannot do anything. You need a baptism in Holy Ghost fire so that you can let your light shine in such a way so that men might see your good works and turn from their wicked ways and turn to God. That's what you're getting right now. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, the devil has a plan for our generation. And he needs people to get the work done. But God has a plan for our generation. And he needs people to get the work done. And the way he gets them to get the work done is by anointing them with the same spirit that was on Jesus Christ. Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of this world. But now that I go, you are the light of this world. You are the city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So let your light shine in such a way that the people might see your good works and glorify their Father who is in heaven. Acts 2. In the last days, God said, I have a plan for my church. And it is to do what? I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. Doesn't matter if you're white. Doesn't matter if you're black. Doesn't matter if you're Chinese. Doesn't matter if you're First Nation. Doesn't matter what you are. It's man that makes barriers between ethnicities. God said, I've shed my blood for every tribe, every tongue, every kindred, and every land and every people. And he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Just like Ezekiel prophesied. And the purpose of that prophecy was to bring revival to that nation of dry bones. When God ignites that fire in you today, God's going to use you. Wherever you might find yourself. And despise not the day of small beginnings. Don't wait till you have some great platform before you start prophesying. Use the platform you have now. Go to that neighbor that God's been speaking to you. You want, I'm talking about global revival. But you got to start where you're at now. If you can't be trusted with speaking to your neighbor about the gospel or your hairdresser about the gospel, how are you going to be entrusted with bringing global revival? When I, I was just in Boston... And I had to get a haircut. Went and got my haircut. And every time I get a haircut, because I know I got at least 30 minutes with this guy, I can lead you to the Lord in 30 minutes, no problem. So I just, I always bring it up. I'll, I'll say, you know, I'm, when they ask me, so what do you do? I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then I'll get into it quickly and, and bring them to a place of decision. And I led that, when I was in Boston, that barber. Who, who, who had been searching for God. God put me on that chair. And I started to talk to him about the things of God, I started to talk to him about, you know, the miracles that we've seen, what I'm doing in the United States, how I've been preaching, and, and, and people have been, addicts have been set free, and all kinds of stuff, and his curiosity peaked, and then I started to pin it on him. Have you given your life to Jesus? Are you sure that your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Are you right with God? And he said, I'm actually, I don't even know how to get, I don't know how to get right with God. I don't know how to have a relationship with God. And I led him in practical steps from the Bible, how to have a relationship with God. And I prayed with him in, a, in that barbershop, laid hands on him. He started to shake and he was tearing up. Power of God hit him. So I brought, you know, God's not going to trust me with global revival if I can't even bring revival to my hairdresser. For goodness sakes, be revival in your Jerusalem. Then God will open up Judea. Be revival in Judea. And God will open up Samaria. Be revival in Samaria. And God will use you to bring revival to the far corners of the earth. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Right now. Wherever you're watching from. all over, There's 182 of you watching on Facebook and YouTube. If you're just joining me now. Share it. People will watch the replay. But wherever you are, and you've had a cry in your heart, I want to shake my nation. I want to be used by God. I'm like Gideon. I've been complaining. Where's the day of God's power? Where's the miracles that we've heard of? Where's the days of Smith Wigglesworth? Where's the God of the Bible? God's showing up to your house right now. And he said, mighty woman, mighty man of valor, enough talking about the past. Go in this might of, the, of yours. What's that might? It's the Holy Ghost in you. The Bible says, 
Jesus said, now that I'm going up, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go, I'm going to send you the same helper that's helped me to spread the gospel in my life. Jesus, Acts 10.38, was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. I want you to make that confession Cindy just did. I want to be used by God. If you're watching right now and you want to be used by God, you want to preach this gospel. I'm, I, I, God has a calling on you. Maybe you're not called to be a full-time preacher. Maybe you're called to be an accountant. Maybe you're called to be a government uh, official. We need people in government. We need people in accountants agency. We need people in, in schools as teachers. We need, the anointing will work through you to do those things. But you're a full-time Christian and soul winner and a part-time everything else. So I want you to write that. I want to be used by God. I want to be used in my generation. I want to see revival hit my nation. I want to see, I want to see uh, 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 my land healed. You know, Second Chronicles 7.14, God said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and they'll turn from their wicked, wicked ways and cry out to me from heaven, then I will answer them and I'll use them to heal their land. I'll use them to restore the year that the swarm locusts have eaten. I'll use them to bring revival to their nation. Is that the cry of your heart? David said it this way, my soul longs for you, O God. My flesh, it thirsts for you to see you your power at work in my my in the sanctuary to see your power at work in my generation he said in psalm 71 18 lord forsake me not even when i'm gray-headed and old of age until i've shown your power to this generation until i have demonstrated your mighty works unto all who come man i'm not interested in just telling people christ is alive i want to bring god's power to set the captive free to let the oppressed go free to let the people know our god is not a God amongst God. He's not a pick and choose God. He's not an option amongst the vast um, options of religious uh, institutions on this earth. He is the way. He is the life. He is the truth. There's no other truth besides Jesus Christ. He's exclusive and inclusive. And he said, no man can come to the Father but by me. It's to your advantage, Jesus said, that I go away. Because if I don't go, I can't send you the helper. But now that I'm going, I'm sending you the Holy Ghost. The same spirit that's enabled me to cast out demons, I'm sending that spirit in you. And the Bible says, Paul, by mighty signs and wonders, by the power of that spirit, he fully preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is going to enable you and empower you today to be a full gospel preacher. To fully preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To fully speak and back it up with power by mighty signs and wonders. Your life will be a billboard that signals to this new generation. Jehovah, Jesus Christ is alive. Jehovah is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. And you're not going to be on the sidelines hoping it happens. You'll be right right in the mix of it. Father, right now, with, for everyone that typed in the comment section, I want to be used by God. Baptize them right now in the power of your Holy Spirit. I turn loose the baptism in the Holy Ghost over these people, these hungry people that are watching right now. I loose the fire of God right through you. Right now, in Jesus' name, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Just like Peter, as he was speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on them that were hearing the word. Right now, as I spoke, let the Holy Ghost fall on those that heard this word. Let them never to be the same again. Where they were weak, make them strong. 
in Jesus' name. Be filled to overflow. Anoint their head with fresh oil, Father. And I loose the, the speaking in tongues in you, the prayer language, the mighty baptism in the Holy Ghost. As tongues of fire came on them, they all spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Jesus' name, as that baptism comes on you, you shall speak with new tongues. Reko zembra vitaro kozeta. Rusto revendia rabosto korababa. In the name of Jesus Christ. Who will go for me? Jesus, God said in Isaiah 6. Whom shall I send? The problem on the earth isn't a God problem. It's a lazy Christian problem. But many of you have heard. And some of you are hearing it for the very first time. The call of heaven. Who will go for me? Whom shall I send? And I pray your reply will be Lord send me. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.